In the watch enthusiast universe, the watch enthusiasts are represented by two separate yet equally unimportant human beings. KC, who has nothing, and John John, who knows nothing. This is their podcast. The KC and John John Show! Hello everybody, and welcome to the 51st episode of KC and... John John! That's right. Welcome back, everyone. And uh, we just finished our one-year anniversary, so we hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't enjoy that episode. Like, everything about it is great, just like the entire podcast. Yes. And, and as usual, you know, if, if you enjoyed it, let us know. And if you didn't, um, well, who do we contact, John, if, if you didn't enjoy it? Uh, there's this guy who goes by the name Marshall. Some right. of you may know him as our daddy <laughs> fuck <laughs> hi marsh uh, so in case you haven't noticed um we have a guest on today uh hi marsh hi okay moving on uh we we also have uh someone else on today uh, to celebrate uh the first episode that we're doing after our one year anniversary and yes. that is uh, Sean Song of S Song Watches. Welcome aboard, Sean. Hello. Thanks for having me. So, oh, pleasure. We've, uh, we've we've been wanting to have you on for for a while. Actually, we've been discussing this. Yeah. 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 I think a couple of months already. Marshall's been uh, been been mentioning. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's the thing, though. I, I I'm kind of displeased about one thing. Do, yeah. Do you notice that every time Marshall brings a guest on, he has to come on as well? Yeah, that's true. Is, like, is that true? Is it like he's trying to? No, he's he's trying to. He's trying to put himself into the spotlight when when right. he can't just let us do our thing. Exactly. Mm. Like I'm just dude. trying to regulate the relationship. I don't want you to ruin any chances of potential sponsorships. <laughs> so knowing you guys, you, you yeah. don't that's, want to backstab really mean, you. Man. I mean, you already ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that you was should, all. You should at least recording. you should at least put some trust into your children. Exactly. Asian, kind of daddy Asian, Asian yeah. parents don't trust their children. What are you talking about? Absolutely. That's, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, coming back to Sean. Uh, Sean, could you tell our listeners who you are, just in case any of them don't know who you are for whatever reason? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Sean, and I am a watch dealer, and I operate under the name S-Song Watches, based in Malaysia here. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly... Uh, online and um so i sell all over the world and i buy all over the world as well so not a not a local store that's cool uh you've you've been doing this for a while right yeah correct correct i mean um it's like the only real job thing i've i've ever done actually nice. so i i um i've been doing some watches is like four years old yeah okay. um, i moved back um, to KO in 2017 from London to start this thing for myself. Okay. But before that, um, I was in London working for a company that did pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, co- a collected man who also sells uh, watches. And um, after okay. a while, I was just like, I'm doing all the stuff that a business owner would do, but I'm working for somebody. So that was the impetus to make me come back and do it myself. But what what made you choose Kuala Lumpur to be your your base? That's an that's actually a pretty interesting story because it yeah. wasn't supposed to be like this. <clears throat> when I first left uh, Collected Man, who a watch exchange back then, 
I yeah. actually had plans to go back to London because I didn't really know the scene here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was quite comfortable in London. I, I, um, I'd been there for a couple of years. So one of the criterias of uh, getting an entrepreneurial visa is that you have to come back to your home country for six months. And mm-hmm. then only you can apply for the visa. So I was like, all right, I'll do that. Got all my documents, planned everything, was 75% there. And then like four months in, I realized that I met a lot of interesting watch collectors, not only in Malaysia, but in the region. Yeah. And mm-hmm. sort of like Singapore, Hong Kong, Malaysia as well. Yeah. And um, so I was like, why am I going back to a super, not saturated, but like a very mature market? Mm-hmm. So, so the watch collectors there tend to really know what they want and then they stick to it, right? Like you yeah. collect vintage Rolex or you collect Indies or you collect uh, modern Patek and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas like I found that the collectors here are newer, more interested um, and, and would literally just like buy whatever they liked, right? Yeah. And they were very into finding out about new stuff. Mm-hmm. So then... I was like nearly, I paid all my lawyer fees, everything, visa was going to get submitted. Then I was like, fuck it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, and that's how I ended up here, by accident. Actually, that's, it's, it's interesting that you would say that because like, I, th- I feel when we think about the, the, the people who generally consume watches here, like a, a lot of, well, or I guess if we are, we're talking about the NWG crowd, like that's the Malaysia watch group crowd. Yeah, right? yeah the people who, who aren't familiar with these acronyms. It seems to be whatever's hype. Lah. So if you're talking about your, your Rolexes, your yeah. RIs and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. So to, I mean, to hear you say that, you know, the, yeah, exactly, it's, it's a young-ish yeah, yeah. market and there's people that yeah. open to newer things. Because yeah. that's, Cause, cause that's what I, I thought up. too, right? That, yeah. that was my impression, like a, a very uh, a wrong impression. But that's what I thought. Yeah. I thought like, okay, Malaysians, you see your... Uh, your average uncle buys Rolex, Patek, yep. Panerai, yeah. whatever. But actually, once you dig a little deeper, you start to realize that there are a lot of collectors who are interested in weird stuff as well. Like, yeah. I've, I've delivered like FP Jeans to Saramban and stuff like that. Nice. So okay. I, I guess like Malaysian collectors tend to be a little more reserved. Mm. Right. So there are a lot of like crazy collectors that you just don't hear of, but they just buy, buy a lot of stuff, keep in the safe, enjoy it, don't really publicize it. Yeah. So I think I think that's that's sort of uh, what misguided me. But yeah, for sure, um, a lot of people here are, are interested in in all kinds of stuff. Okay. So would you say that you know the the kind of collectors that we think about, you know, in in MWG and all that, yeah, they're they're the more vocal ones. Yeah. But exactly. they also tend to collect, you know, the more common stuff yeah. in a manner yeah, of speaking, yeah. right? Yeah. And then all these guys who are actually out there collecting interesting pieces mm-hmm. are on the download. Yes. So that would be your experience in this? Yeah. And I also think that because it, it also is in line with um, how this is a youngish market. Yep. Yeah. Like, you know, when you first start collecting watches, obviously you buy Rolex, right? Or... No, you buy Seiko. <laughs> oh, 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 like, okay, yeah. Yeah, maybe Seiko. <laughs> True. But I mean, like, if you have, like, disposable income, you got a bonus, yep, and you're yep, like, interested yep. in this thing, and then suddenly you buy the first shiny thing you see yeah, in yeah, Pavilion yeah. or KLCC, sure. yep. right? And then after a while, you start to look at other stuff, and then the deeper you get into it, then you start to have a more eclectic taste, maybe yep. go into vintage, stuff like that. True. 
so I just think it's just a, a matter of time before the market gets more interesting. Nice. Well, at least you have hope. <laughs> I have hope, for sure. I'm optimistic. <laughs> I, I think we on the podcast have been rather pessimistic about the watch scene here. Maybe yeah, you need to yeah. introduce yeah. us to some of these guys. Sure. I think sure. our previous couple of episodes was uh, rather negative, right? We were covering a lot of um, negativity in the watch industry. And yeah. One of it was also about, you know, these hype beasts, these hype yeah. beast collectors and yeah, yeah. You know, how, how they ruin the market in a way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Nobody likes them, but I mean, I guess that's what you hear. That's the loudest voice, right? Like yeah. what you mentioned. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, yeah. so I choose to ignore that, and uh, there's a uh, there's other good good stuff. Nice, nice. It, it's good to know that you know beneath all that, there's there's something good underlying all. Yeah, this. definitely. I mean, like uh, independence and vintage is probably the the two most distinct routes that mm-hmm. people take. Yeah, yeah. And they're both pretty good here. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, in fact, in fact, one more thing is. Um, when I first started, I I barely sold to Malaysians, right? Okay. Because the stuff I was selling at the start was like very vintage stuff. Yeah, and now I sell. Yeah, yeah. And now I sell. Um, I I still sell your average sort of hype piece, but mm-hmm. a lot of independence and like '90s watches. Those mm-hmm. those are what get get me excited. Okay. But I mean, I find way more Malaysians are are sort of um, buying now compared to even back then. So. Mm-hmm. Things change pretty fast, even over these like past four years or so. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that's that's good. So, so you know, we were talking about hype beasts and all that. So yeah, um, you've been in this business for like, I, I would say more than four years, right? Officially yeah, yeah. four years. Correct, correct, correct. Probably like six years now, six seven okay. years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, have you noticed that a change in the market in this past six years? Yes, for sure. <laughs> I mean, like, in in what sense, like? In, in the hype beast sense? Or... Yeah, in the hype beast sense, or even overall, like what, what what do you think? What is your perspective, you know, as an insider of sorts? Right. Yeah. When I I mean things definitely have changed a lot in, mm-hmm. in, in a few aspects. Right. Um the biggest one is um I mean the hype beast thing was always there. You okay. know yeah. like um I mean like not always there, but like since I've been in the industry. Okay. Like the Royal Oak and the Nautilus was always desired yeah. watches, right? And sure. they were always super trendy. It's just that it didn't have the crazy price tag, right? Right, right. And um, so that's always kind of been there. It's just, I think what changed now is the crazy prices that we get. Mm-hmm. And that's a reflection on something else that maybe we can talk about later. But um, that's the one change. And another change is that you you see quite a big shift moving away from vintage, which is quite interesting. Okay. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people are getting into neo vintage stuff now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I'm glad to say that the dress watch is coming back. Yes, um, the reasonably sized dress watch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> watch sizes are coming down. Thank God. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, would you say I that's like your? That's it, yeah. Would you say that's like your favorite style of watch? What? Like a. What yeah, like a, a new vintage dress watch of sorts. Yeah, I'd say that's my favorite. In, independent uh, neo vintage stuff is is the most interesting for me to collect. Mm. Yeah. Um, Sounds like good. good and time. also, like these watches were so dirt cheap only like two years ago because no uh-huh. one wanted these uncle yellow gold watches. But right. now it's it's completely different. The appreciation is there. Right. Right. So. You- 
it's it's sort of like moving away, right? Because because I think when I started in this hobby, maybe about six years ago as well, I think. Yeah. And you know, during that time, um, big watches were the main thing, right? Yeah. Everyone was going bigger, sportier, more yeah. and more garish. Yeah. And over, I'd say, the past two, three years, maybe, mm-hmm. everything seems to have become a bit more toned down. Um, yeah. A Back little bit smaller. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I agree. Back to tasteful watches, yeah. if I yeah. may say so. Yeah. Um, but I noticed, and I don't know if you would agree, but one of the main contributors, I think, to this trend is a relatively modern watch, which is the Tudor Black Bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would you agree with that? That 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 watch sort of started this whole retro neo vintage yes, sort of uh, wave, for sure. Right. Because like before that, the whole like um, the watches that are too big was a very niche crowd of mm-hmm. people like us who who like we're not like casual watch buyers, right? We're like into yeah. it. We read articles. We follow the news, stuff like that. So these yes. were the people. But the the Black Bay Fifty Eight and stuff really made it more mainstream. I mm-hmm. think. Which which is uh which is really good. Um, I have like clients who are not really watch people who suddenly say, "Oh, this this size is so much better." You know, I can't wear my my normal black bay anymore. Right. So yeah, oh, yeah, I, I do agree. Yeah, yeah. You mean yeah? Uh, okay. yeah. So they can't wear the uh the the normal size one. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, what about you know um, what other watches do you think uh really set of this chain reaction besides the Black Bay? Um, I think Cartier has done a lot for right. for this whole sort of more modest size mm. uh, dressier kind of thing. Um, they've been doing really well. They, they've been quite... Um, they've been uh, having really good releases with like iconic design, but like not upsized and stuff like that. Right. So I think remaining faithful to 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 the history that's that's been pretty pretty helpful. That's cool. I think yeah. recently Longines has been releasing quite a oh, lot yeah. of these yeah. heritage yeah. inspired exactly. pieces as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think and the the most recent one was like a a reverso kind of style. Not right. Well, right. It was, it was yeah. like a, a very Art Deco reverso yeah. style case. Yeah, um, and the thing with Longines, the yeah, yeah. Thing. they yeah. they never. Um, they never used to be like this. They yeah. had some horrible yeah. reissues, like five years ago, like massive forty-four mm, forty-two mm stuff yeah. that used to be, you know, in the thirties. But I think now also because I know specifically Longines work with um, like collectors, mm-hmm. yeah, and like uh, they released a watch with like vintage Longines, and he's just a guy, right? He's yeah. just a dude with an Instagram account, and right. the fact that they're so willing to work with people in the community really gave them good insight to what people actually want yeah nice. so so yeah um they've been doing a good job as well i think speaking of the long jeans uh, one watch i definitely noticed was the long jeans conquest the oh yeah mm-hmm. i love right? those yeah those those were i remember how crazy it was because i looked at it and i was like oh that's a really like nice vintage watch like that's in such good condition yeah, yeah and yeah. you know you look at the back and it's also got that little enamel badge yeah exactly right? and that's cool man yeah, and I was like, oh my yeah. god, it's so good. And I found out, oh no, it's not actually an old watch. It's just yeah. a very modernized re-release of it. Yeah. And I, I think they really nailed it. And yeah, Longe is doing a great job. But yeah. you're not like, getting that much hype, I think. No, because I guess the price point as well plays a role. 
mm-hmm. I'm not too sure. Like people think like all watches make money. What mm-hmm. watch should I buy? You know, good investment. But most watches <laughs> lose money, right? And so, I. But relatively, you see the way they hold value compared to other Longines. Mm-hmm. Then it starts to look a bit better, right? Um, um, I think JLC as well. It's done really well. Yeah, um, the reissues fan. have always been great. Mm-hmm. I think like the Reverso is um, is uh, probably going to be super collectible soon because there's so yeah. many variants. And they're churning out some great variants recently. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, some really good stuff. Yeah, uh, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, long jeans, right? Yeah. Is that a watch? I mean, they have a pretty deep history. Yeah. Right, which is which is where they've been digging out all these issues from. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you see many of them in the vintage market? As in vintage, actual vintage, vintage, actual actual vintage, like yeah, actual yeah. vintage yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's been one of the more it's one of the more mature vintage markets actually because right. um, the collectability of early Longines is like it's it's a whole different level. It's like people pay crazy money, like yeah. for those. Uh, um, mm. Early chronos, the 13 ZNs, the 30 CHs, mm-hmm. uh, yep. the 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 time only Chaitake uh, uh, and stuff like that. Right. People pay crazy money for them. Special dial variants, and mm-hmm. and the Europeans have been collecting this for forever. Right? right. They always knew that these watches were like the best in the world back mm-hmm. then. Yeah. Because correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, but Longines pre Swatch Group was one of the premier watchmakers yeah there, right? yeah i mean mid-century longine is as good as batek as good as ug as right. good as all these brands they and their movement was was um that's that's why it's so collectible right because mm-hmm. people have, have to separate the two like today and back then right. the same with hoya right yeah 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 yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, but so this, this brings me to the question that i wanted to ask which is has the new retro vintage watches uh, these these watches, right? These collections, have they impacted the vintage market? Like what That's, I mean is, yeah. since they've re-released, you know, for example, the Long Jeans Conquest, yeah, has mm-hmm. it made has it changed the value of actual vintage Conquest? So, I don't think so, because I think I think it's always been informed the other way. Okay. So, they see what was good then and what people collect from then and then right. they reissue it mm-hmm. right so so it, it it doesn't really affect the um the prices of of, of the bit like the best example is um there's been a lot of uh hoyer reissues now mm-hmm. they just put the hoyer logo they do like the skipper hodinky does a lot of collabs with them yep. Yep. stuff like that it, it doesn't affect the vintage prices at all but um okay. but yeah um because it's the other way around right they always reissue stuff that's that's popular okay because I, I was kind of thinking, you know, if, if someone, let's say, for example, if I were looking at a vintage watch and I had a choice between an actual vintage watch yeah. and a modern reissue that, you yeah. know, is arguably more reliable, under yeah. warranty, yeah. water resistant. Yeah. <laughs> like, which would I choose? I'm not sure, you know. I, I feel like they both have their value. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the vintage, you know, the usual watch fam nonsense yeah. of oh, it tells its own story every yeah, scratch, yeah, 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 right? Yeah, right? Yeah. Who knows where this watch has been? Yeah. Um, but with the new watch, you get a more practical proposition. I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And oftentimes, much cheaper. Yes. I would also <laughs> say, like, there's, there's probably going to be a date that will ruin the aesthetics. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the if, if you're looking for a... Yeah. 
<laughs> you're thinking, talking from an aesthetic standpoint is is usually the date that kind of ruins yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. a half-hearted. Yeah. Oh shit! You know, modern yeah. sensibilities. They people consumers want want a date on it. So okay, we'll yeah. we'll just chuck it somewhere. Yeah. All, all the movements already existed, right? We can't, yeah, we can't. We're not gonna make a new movement for this reissue. Yeah, unfortunately, then they that, that's the other problem. I think sometimes they they squeeze either a movement that's too small into a watch assembly. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Because yeah. uh, it's rarely the other way around. There's yeah. there aren't many big movements out there. Yes, correct. I mean, right. the the new color travers that Patek released was so popular because they finally made a movement that fit the case. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, with, with I think with Patek as well as with ETA, um, you know, they were make they've been making similar movements since the sixties, seventies yeah, when yeah, watches sure, were sure. thirty five millimeters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then yeah. they've increased it and kept the same movements. Yeah. 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 Correct. Correct. But yeah, I mean. Um, if you look at um, some of the previous color travers, mm-hmm. they have solid case backs because if you open it up and look at the movement, it's like half the watch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a common complaint. I can't remember what people say, but it's something like, um, you know, the, the case back, the ring around the case back looks bigger yeah. than the movement yeah, itself. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. right. exactly. And yeah, but I, there's... There seems to be a trend towards um, making bigger movements as well with Patek. And I think even ETA has come up with um, a 2824 base movement that right. they've enlarged as well. Yeah. So, you know. Um, yeah. it, it depends Depends how big they go because then there's no coming back, right? You can't put a big movement in a small watch. Yes. Yeah. That's why it's so, such a dangerous yeah. proposition, yeah, I think. Exactly. And it costs <laughs> a lot of money to develop these these movements. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a kind of follow up question to yeah. about all these. You know, new releases of of uh, vintage watches, right? Yeah. Oh, I just wonder how this would affect the market, like 30, 40, you know, fifty years down the road, where basically you you're you're left with all these vintage reissues in a way. So how? Yeah, like, just, <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good question, actually. I'm just wondering uh, how how that would how that would look like, you know? Yeah. Mid century, you'll, you'll have a, a yeah. vintage a vintage watch that's of a vintage watch <laughs> yeah <laughs> a vintage reissue of yeah. a vintage watch yeah yeah that would be an interesting time yeah i think it would just <laughs> occupy its own class of watches i mean they were there are reissues reissues that they did in like the 90s and 2000s that mm-hmm. people see as its own right so so i i think it would just it would just be pretty normal it just occupy its own niche yeah, kind yeah, of pretty much okay. That's cool. All right. So uh, one thing I want to ask you, because, you know, you're in this business um, for the past four years. Yeah. And uh, I think John and I have covered this before. But, you know, you you sometimes see stuff on, on watch auctions, right? Yeah. Um, where people will call the watch out. They will be like, no, this watch isn't all original. Yeah. Um, it's got a aftermarket dial or it's mm-hmm. been reprinted, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, has this been a problem for you when you source your watches? Um, with vintage, a hundred percent, um, it's, it's always very, uh, you have to be very careful. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially cause I deal overseas, right? So most of it is transacted online, right? posted. And when it gets to like pretty expensive watches, mm-hmm. it gets pretty, pretty worrying. Yeah. But, um, yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, everyone makes mistakes. So, um, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to not trying to what do you call it defend the auction houses when they make mistakes like this, but mm-hmm. but it does happen, you know. Like even 
like someone like me who's seen like like hundreds or maybe even thousands of uh rolex submariners right you yeah. still make mm-hmm. a mistake as long yeah. as you just like own up to it and get rid of it <laughs> okay um so i i did want to ask you because has this been getting worse over the past couple of years um no it's always been pretty bad okay <laughs> so there's just it's, more publicity yeah. around it yeah yeah it's always like because last time like you, you have to realize that people um more watch collectors are going to buy at auction but even like five years ago if you bought from auction you were like whoa you know you're a big deal okay right like like uh only only uh only uh Hardcore watch collectors go go bid at auction, but now mm-hmm. you can bid online, super right. easy. The stigma is right. not there anymore. So, with that comes more scrutiny, and mm-hmm. so I think that's I think just hearing about it more rather than um, it being more prevalent these days. Okay, that, that's that's an interesting perspective because yeah. I think you know as a casual watch observer, you know yeah. someone who's you know never gotten one of these auctions or anything like that. Yeah. Um, it just seems like it's getting worse. You know. Yeah. 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 It feels almost as if there's a market being built to cheat people out of this. Yeah, yeah. But you're saying that it's it's been there. It's always been there, man. Dodgy right. Daytonas has always been around. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Fake dials, you know, Franken movements. It's always been there. Okay. So this sort of brings me to the second part of that question, which is how do you verify these watches? Like, what, what do you do? Do you have an expert or are you the expert? Yeah, so it's, I, I vet all the watches that I buy. Um, okay. And it's not that straightforward because mm-hmm. it honestly just comes down to seeing enough watches. Right. Um, like when I first started, I remember when I first bought my first vintage Submariner. Like trying to distinguish all the marked dials and like because the crown, the coronet is different or the font yeah. is different and stuff like that it drove me mad. Like I was like, I don't see this. What are yeah. you looking at? Right, right, right. But now it's way easier. I, I can I can tell you the mark of a red sub dial. I can do all this stuff, but it's only because I've just seen so many. Okay, so so it's it's come with experience, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. I guess it's also like a wealth of uh, information that you can get online nowadays. Yeah, correct, right? correct, From correct. Forums yeah, and stuff. For sure, there's a lot of good information on on, on vintage watches now, mm-hmm. um, compared to like I have some like uh, like old guys that I kind of see as mentors and stuff. And they were like, yeah. dude, last time we were buying watches based on text on eBay before eBay had pictures. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's way more information now. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That would yeah, be I've such a huge gamble. Stories, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they used to buy, like, a job lot of, like, 20 watches in, in, a, in a cardboard box at auction mm-hmm. for, like, 50 pounds and go through tons of these boxes to find stuff. Right. Used to be like that, yeah. It's sort of like buying Pokemon cards and hoping there's a good one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. High stakes Pokemon. Well, maybe not anymore because they're valuable too. But yeah, yeah, they are true. Pokemon is pretty high stake now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Would you ever okay. consider going to the Pokemon card business? Uh, no, nah, I'm good, man. <laughs> watches give me enough strife. <laughs> okay. You heard it here first. Uh, S Song yeah. watches is not branching out into yeah. S Song Pokemon um, cards. Yeah, yeah. Don't be worried, collectors. <laughs> so will you be uh, accepting crypto as payment? I actually already anytime soon. Already accept crypto. Ah, okay. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's more a result of just making my clients' life easier. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I accept USDC, so I I don't get 
exposed to the crazy swings. Right, right, right. Nice. As long as it's a stable coin, I'll, I'll take it. And then I'll, yeah. I'll just convert it and, and bank it into to currency. So what do you think of the Malaysian ringgit then? Oh, wow, that's a question. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, police. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. <laughs> but, but it's yeah, funny. USD is the easiest way to deal when it comes to watches. Yeah, especially internationally, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. Um, I, if I, I think it, honestly, if I put my prices on my site in ringgit, it might scare away a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just because they're not familiar with it, not not right. not necessarily because there's something wrong with it, but a lot of yeah. numbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> too many digits. <laughs> yeah, something's like, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, is there any horror story that you have over the past? four years that you've been in this that you can share with us that you're allowed to share with us <laughs> horror stories yeah um a lot of this in this industry is down to trust right okay because like a lot of the times you develop relationships and you mm. uh, you wire money and mm. you hope the watch comes stuff right. like that um but i've been quite lucky on that side that i haven't being scammed, but I know a lot of people get get uh, get screwed over. Right. Um, but if you ask me, I wouldn't say it's a horror story, but it's just like some of the very annoying things that happen is like mostly with clients that you trust, mm-hmm. you think you trust, and then you send a watch to them and stuff like that, and then there's no payment, and then you you're chasing, you're waiting, mm-hmm. and then so I mean I I haven't lost the watch, but but I've had very annoying. Um, dealings when it comes right. to that, but that's normal. I mean, any industry you deal with with yeah. good and bad people, yeah, yeah, just just comes with territory. Yeah, yeah. And in terms yeah. of buying watches, also been quite lucky. I haven't, I have. I mean, I've I've bought like some cheap stuff where it's not legit. Turns out okay. to be. Um, so I mean, here and there, but nothing like. Nothing major. No, yeah, nothing expensive. Okay, which is, which is good. Yeah. Touchwood. Hopefully yep. that that yep. stays touchwood. Touchwood. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can go off on a bit of a tangent here because uh, yeah. we've we've heard this guy you know pipe up occasionally from time mm-hmm. to time, and <laughs> I guess I guess we can consider him as a guest on the show. But um, <laughs> so how how did how did you and uh, Marshall meet? So we met in 2016 at a uh, Zenith event, mm-hmm. and um, in in London. They was they were hosting some event promoting some watch that I've obviously forgotten about because it wasn't great. <laughs> it was <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely. I think it's El, definitely the El Primero Chrono Master or something. Was it? I think so. And then, yeah. So I met I met Marshall there, and then we we're both Malaysians at the time. We were just like, yeah. "Hey, you're from Malaysia. I'm from Malaysia." It didn't occur to me, yeah, because yeah. he had an accent. Yeah. I was like, Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I never thought so. And and that's how we met, and then we've sort of kept in touch ever since. Um, mm. We've always been into watches, so it's quite an easy, easy friendship to to maintain. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Marshall got a free clock from the event, which I'm still very angry about. <laughs> Do you want it? <laughs> hey, have you seen the prices of those? I know, I know. <laughs> Use it as a plate. <laughs> yeah, I had my breakfast on it. Very nice. Just on my roti chanai. Flex That's well. a flex. Yeah. yeah. So, um, guys, this this sounds like you know the recipe for a heist. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> After the podcast, let's get yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You I'm son in. of a bitch! I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> get vaccinated first before you come. All, all done. 
All okay. good. Oh, yeah. Doc- doctor is already fully vaccinated. La. I'm half only. Now you don't half. come, la, John. All clear to Rob Marshall. Okay. All right, let's go. Sean, <laughs> nice. you want to you want a clock? Uh, I can just. Uh, you you might have to fight his mom though. I think his mom wants it before us. Nah, <laughs> no. Actually, the interesting story is that I initially wanted to sell the clock. I got mm-hmm. a lot of offers. People were offering me like, um, you know, the vintage Seiko Panda Chronos. Mm-hmm. Right. They were, yeah. They were yeah. really uh-huh. cheap back then, but right. prices has skyrocketed. La. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people offering me like really interesting chronographs. I was mm-hmm. so... You should have done it. I should have done it, you know. It's but really my mom clock, was like, man. bring it back, bring it back. I want to hang it somewhere. And then now I'm here. <laughs> and she's like, ah, not good for feng shui, you know. <laughs> Fuck, you know. Now it's just sitting outside my room. I, I have to take it out occasionally to check if the battery still runs. <laughs> it's probably melted into the clock already. Oh my God, yeah. Ew, it's a battery. It's not yeah, mechanical, it, yeah. Well, the the Ew. but the the second hand actually is very smooth. I think it's ele- I think they call it electrical or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like the Muji clocks, right? Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> the ticking. <laughs> well, like, I was I was gonna say like some Seiko clocks are like that, but then yeah, I guess Muji <laughs> Muji does Muji yeah. clocks like that now as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean Japanese Japanese products all basically the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, Sean, if you want if you want it, just uh, the next time I'll bring it. <laughs> yeah, you can hang it in the office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be nice. Yeah. Well then, well then, John. I think this changes our heist plans. Sean, mm. when can we come over? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey, well, well, that was there's a lot more. There's a lot more things to heist. Yeah, oh, you can true. take that. That's the first thing you can take. <laughs> There'll be a lot of breadcrumbs in there, so I hope you guys. Are I'm so what sure. Are you... <laughs> what are you doing with breadcrumbs in a clock? No, I'm eating. I had my breakfast on it. It was on it. Okay, so when I got the clock, the first thing I did was because it arrived the very next day after the event. They got okay. it delivered to me to my house, you know. So okay. it was like, wow, so nice. But I was busy having my breakfast. So I brought it uh-huh. to my kitchen. Mm-hmm. Just proceeded to have breakfast on it. <laughs> it's just like, just like this, this, this could be used as a plate. Yeah, everyone was, uh, I think the Red Bull London guys were like, what the fuck, this is up some... <laughs> You know, it's, it's like those guys who put their Patek Nautilus inside of their food. Oh yeah, I hate. I, I don't understand that. It's disgusting. <laughs> it, it's the same as Marsha. <laughs> yeah, no, technically it was it was used as a table. It didn't go into the food or anything. At least it served a purpose, right? The Nautilus yeah. and your ice cream it's doesn't do anything. Boy, yeah, that one is just that one's just a flex. Yeah, a <laughs> humble flex. It's like oh, I, I bought this Nautilus, but all I can eat is ice cream. So yeah. this one is somewhat utilitarian, like I guess. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Fine. Or you fine. could just wear like a necklace, you know, like Flavor Flav. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be nice. <laughs> So yeah. Sean, I've I've got a heist related question. Okay. Um, do you have <laughs> oh, a physical location? Uh, so I'm office only. Right. Um, okay. And I'm like that ver- for that very reason because security is just yeah so concerning sure. mm-hmm. in Malaysia. For sure. Yeah. Um, I I did have sort of ideas of opening a shop before, but I think yeah. it's just not worth it. Um, yeah. You know. Um, you need security. And yeah. All that. Correct. Correct. And also, especially like, with friends like us. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, um, and also it kind of fit in well with the way I want to do business, right? Yeah. Because I, I still see my clients here; they can mm-hmm. still come, and um, it's much more intimate. It's less shop-like, which is mm-hmm. actually what I want. Yeah, um, right. And um, I have plans on 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 um, on opening an, an office, a bigger office with a private space. Mm-hmm. So. Probably next year, clients that I know or I'm friends with can come over, 
and it'll be you'll be very private you know you won't be scared of anything appointment only mm -hmm. um can drink and do whatever you want and i can show you show you watches so i think that's a better way to go especially because you're spending so much money on watches right yeah rather than yeah. go to a shop in bangsa village and stand by the counter and look, <laughs> you know I, mm. i don't like that experience not not a very nice yeah one yeah yeah um, um, that's that's kind of like what um like watchbox was trying to achieve in hong kong exactly yeah 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 so so theirs is a bit more open i mean they're, yeah. they're still like upstairs i've been there before it's like super swanky they spend a lot of money on it yes. very nice um but yeah something like that private space not very obvious um yeah and and it's good because when people set appointments you sort of vet out the people who don't actually want to buy the watch yeah <laughs> so when you make an appointment they actually most of the times people are, are quite interested mm -hmm. okay but what about what what about let's say let's say you know casey and i go down to kl mm. and you want well, to do we, rob i mean um visit yeah you. i mean visit yeah. you <laughs> say hi you know, yeah, have a couple yeah. of drinks yeah, yeah we'll bring a couple of bottles of whiskey down as well yeah 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 get smashed yeah get smashed <laughs> and then, and then and rob me <laughs> yeah but okay so that, that for so for, we would but we would have to make an appointment for that yes exactly if you want to yeah. rob me at least make an appointment yeah okay fair <laughs> I, think, I think that's fair I think that's fair. Um, but so for, for our Malaysian listeners, um, yeah. if any of them wanted to approach you to yep. get a watch from you, yep. um, how should they go about it? Like, how should they reach out to you? Um, it's quite easy, actually. You can in, uh, uh, send me a message on Instagram or through my website. Mm -hmm. uh, my number is there. You can WhatsApp me if you right. want to buy or sell anything. And then usually what happens is uh, I'll get a message first and then I'll, I'll tell them I'm appointment only. And okay. we'll set up a time and they'll come and then we'll transact or view the watch or whatever. Okay. So it's quite straightforward, actually. Right. But yeah. For, for our international listeners? Um, usually it's just all inquiries. Right. Because, right. um, like I said, this business is all reputation-based, trust-based. Yeah. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So in all of my overseas clients wire me money first. That's right. the, the sort of standard protocol. Okay. Yeah. And then I post them the watch. So... Um, it's quite an accepted way of transacting in this in this business. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's why it's almost good. Like people are like, that's so scary. How can you do it? But it almost makes you value your reputation more. Yeah. Right. Right. Especially like, if you've been in the business yeah, for a long exactly. time. Yeah, And it's a small right. world, right? Like you do one bad deal and then you're done. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 don't, you don't pay one guy or you run away with a guy's watch once. It's, uh, it's over, man. Yeah. Actually, you know, th this... So okay, a, a few weeks back we were talking about was it the timepiece gentleman? Ah right? uh, yeah, so that, mm -hmm. that, that's what they'll call right. So yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. as 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 someone who's like working within the, yeah. the pretty much the same realms, right? Yeah. What do you th what do you think of that that nonsense? I don't like. I hate it actually. I think it's a load of shit. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're more interested in being celebrities than actually selling watches, mm -hmm. which it, is it seems uh, obvious from your website and from their instagram and youtube right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah they're more concerned with like they're more concerned with selling watches to to your average uh, i don't know banker or corporate guy who makes some money and wants a batman then he goes yeah. to them because they have like 20 batmans you know mm -hmm. but like i think that where we operate in at least is like way more interested in like cultivating collectors you mm -hmm. know finding rare pieces and set and then you know like like anytime I sell a super rare piece, I'm always I always tell my client like, you have to sell it back to me if you want to sell, because <laughs> the first option. Yeah, exactly. Because like yeah. I'm 
I'm very interested in like building a brand where I get special watches, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the 20 Daytona, 20 GMT thing is like it's so boring, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you see a Nautilus every day for one year, you will not give a shit about that watch. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. Or if or if you walk into a shop and that's pretty much all they sold as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And also like the whole thing they did and the YouTube stuff is like mm. it's not not really what I'm interested in. Yeah. I mean, good on them if it, if it works, but not for me. No, apparently it's working, you know, based on the hype they're getting. Uh, oh yeah, but I mean like after this I didn't really follow follow it, but like didn't they get like a lot of hate for yeah. <laughs> for what they did? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they did. So I don't rightfully know rightfully so. Yeah. I don't know if it's a viable long-term business strategy, but yeah. yeah. If they wanted publicity, they definitely got it. And and this goes back to what I said about the whole reputation thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it might have been a PR stunt, but yep. the fact that even if you want to deal with them, you, you you think twice, right? You're like these guys disappeared for a bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, Who's to say um, they won't do it again? Yeah, even though they they came back, it was like I still don't want to go through that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. But dude, I wanted to ask you because you know you've been talking about reputation and trust. Yeah. Uh, when you first got started, you know, obviously mm-hmm. you didn't have much of a history of selling yep. watches and all that, yep. especially yep. expensive ones. Yeah, for so sure. H- how were those first few sales? Like, how did that go? It was tough. I mean, um, I had to... The, I mean, that's the reason why I sort of designed my site the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, write long descriptions, um, take better photographs, because that's the first step, right? Yeah. I'm right. sure you guys know you've browsed a lot of watch websites. Most mm-hmm. of them take, like, shitty iphone 4 oh, photos <laughs> and uh and like write one sentence right it's, and yeah. if you're if you're an american dude buying an eight some watch in asia it's like it's not very convincing yeah, yeah. so that was the first thing i did to sort of mitigate that because mm-hmm. being back here also that was one of my concerns right it's like yeah malaysia is like very familiar for us but like some guy in i don't know spain or italy or whatever we like malaysia Where's that? Never heard, never yeah, heard yeah, of this country yeah. before. Exactly. So, so at the start, I really had to cultivate this. Um, had to really talk to my clients and like, yeah, sort of build the reputation slowly. On. So mm-hmm. it, it was almost like natural because I started out with cheaper watches and then only, yeah. like, if you gave me like a hundred thousand US dollar watch when I first started, I I wouldn't sell it. Nobody mm-hmm. would do. Nobody yep. would pay me for it, even yeah. though if it's so rare and stuff like that. But yeah. It's just been a natural progression. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of been an organic growth. You've yeah, built on sure, the reputation, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. So okay. it's been, it's been, yeah, it's just grown naturally, which is, which is good actually. Mm-hmm. So do you still dabble in cheaper watches? Or... Yes, I do. Because, yeah? um, I mean, now of course I sell a lot more high end stuff, but like if I still see like an interesting watch, I'm, I'm gonna buy it. Right. Like, like mm-hmm. tomorrow I have, I have a drop of vintage watches, and I have like a three four thousand us dollar vintage gp super mm-hmm. nice mm-hmm. reggae mm-hmm. numerals triple <clears throat> calendar nice so i mean like relatively i mean still it's not cheap but like relatively it's it's uh very accessible but i'm listening because i like it it's rare right. so, so you try to be price agnostic as far as you can yeah for sure for sure nice, i try nice. i try and sell what i like mm-hmm. yeah so i i actually turned down like 90 percent of the stuff that's offered to me Okay, because um, it's it's not something I feel comfortable selling. So th- that's an interesting thing. How how do you get offered watches normally? Um, so when I first started, it was super quiet. 
because mm-hmm. obviously nobody knew the brand. Yeah. Right. But these days, like like back then, I had to search for watches, right? I was mm-hmm. like online every day on forums, on mm-hmm. auctions, eBay, whatever. But these days, mostly people will reach out to me on Instagram, okay. um, on my website, and also the clients that I have. So I have clients who buy from me, but I probably buy from them more. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's actually much, much better doing it this way because it's uh, less work and people offer you more interesting things because nice. most of the stuff you see that's already listed is um, mm-hmm. already past phase one of being offered privately. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Actually, what I wanted to ask is um, what would what would have been your favorite thing that's come through uh, either vintage or modern? Ooh. Wait, wait, in, say that again. So like what? Four years. Yeah. What's been yeah. your favorite thing that's come or, through? Uh, or oh. like, yeah, Ooh. what have you enjoyed? That's, that's, that's a tough <laughs> question, man. <laughs> There's been too many. Yeah, yeah. Back then you were, you were into, really into vintage military at some point, right? Like yeah, really, really right, into right. it, right? That's how I, that's how I started. Um, mm. Dirty um, Dozen and stuff? Yes, correct. Mm, the first right. expensive watch I bought was a SEMA, 500 nice. pounds mm-hmm. back nice. then. Um, but, I think last year I had an FP Jean uh, tourbillon, mm-hmm. um, an early brass tourbillon. Okay. Yeah, I think that probably might be the most special one, not just because of the watch. Like, the watch was very cool. Like, um, yeah. it's still on, still on the archives and the site. It had a very unique patina dial. Early Jean, as you know, is, like, super collectible. But I mm-hmm. think also the story that, that, uh, that, that came from it, because... Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of ties into to how we started this conversation, actually, because this watch came from Ampang. Mm, okay. And, um, and of, it was like the least expected place I expect, like, to, like to find this watch. This, this sort of a 70, 80-year-old uncle mm-hmm. um, reached out and then said, come over. He showed me this watch. And I was like, what? How, the f- how do you have this watch? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Uh, in 2001, my friend worked at Sincere Watches and he said, come for this dinner. Mm-hmm, and okay. uh, so I went for this dinner and then I sat down next to a guy called Francois Paul Jean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Because last time he couldn't sell his watches, he had to do road shows in Malaysia, man. Damn. Yeah. And then he bought this Tobion for 200,000 ringgit, which is insane. <laughs> right? Like, like, I mean, like at the time, you're crazy, yeah. right? You're yes. you're like you are insane to buy a watch that nobody's ever heard of yeah, for yeah. that amount of money. You sat next yeah. to it dinner. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like a like a Patek perpetual calendar back then was like eighty thousand ringgit. Mm-hmm. Like for some context, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we just found this watch, just wore it, whatever, and then and then um, <laughs> kept it for twenty years, and it's been living in Ampang its whole life. And it came with a book with a photo of of him and and uh. And a uh, young FP Jean. So mm-hmm. I mean, like, like stuff Jesus. like that is like super, super interesting and makes makes the watch memorable for me. I think you need to explain to our viewers, like, uh, not viewers, list our listeners, <laughs> like what exactly, uh, what exactly is a place like Ampang? Ah, okay, yeah. So it's like this. Uh, we're 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 quite international as well. Right, Sean. right. Oh, right, right. I thought this was a uh, local news channel. Flex. <laughs> 
so Ampang is just basically one of the suburbs in 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 KL. I mean, it's quite an upmarket residential suburb, but I mean, mm-hmm. there are also like older houses there. There's a lot of old houses. So one of the houses that I went to was a super old house, very dark, and like <laughs> just an old couple. Yeah, just an old couple living there with an effie on. I was like, what? <laughs> what? How is this possible? <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. Man. This, and this when I when I when story. I tell when I tell uh, my Malaysian clients this story, they're like, "What? I live in Ampang. Why didn't I? Why didn't, how did I not know this?" <laughs> if I knew he was next me, door, they robbed him. Yeah, they keep asking me, "Give me the guy's, give me the guy's number." I'm like, "No way, man. This is my source." <laughs> Does he have? Uh, has he still been <clears throat> selling other watches to you other than this one? Yeah. So I mean, um, I also bought a first generation datograph from him. Wow. Okay. That he uh, that he also kept since like two thousand and one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's like perfect original owner, um, full set, and yeah. um, I think he still has another Jean and a Lange, another perpetual Lange as well. Um, and, and these are he bought them a long time ago as well. Yeah, he bought them all new. Wow! wow. And, Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so like this he bought everything from sincere. Mm. He's been taking yeah. big risks, right? Correct. Yeah, because most old Chinese don't. uncle. He yeah. didn't buy a Rolex. He bought an Epijon. Because <laughs> this, this is a story I've related on the podcast before, but you know, when I got my JLC Master Control yeah. Sector mm-hmm. Lano, um, when I first got it, my uncle looked at it and he was like, oh, that's nice. How much was it? And I yeah. told him and he was like, what? For that price, why didn't you buy a Rolex? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, you so know, that's what you expect from an uncle. From exactly. Uncle. <laughs> exactly. Okay, that's, that's, that's good context. So right? that's why I was so shocked when I saw his watch there. <laughs> I'm going to have to troll your archives later and take a look at this watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Take a look at the genre. It's, it's, and it's very unique. Like, I think something to do with the climate here as well. Mm-hmm. Because um, if you look at the dial, the dial has aged like a lot. Like, it looks rough. But like, collectors love that. Yeah. Yes. And, um, yeah, exactly. And um, the humidity here and, and, uh, and stuff like that definitely played a role. Because uh, F.P. Jean's waterproofing wasn't great back then. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, so I mean, when I offered it to to one of my clients in in America, it was like, "Yep, done. Let's do this." Nice, tropical, yeah. very nice. Yeah, yeah, literally tropical. Yeah, yeah actually, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, maybe, maybe. The... Sorry, Sorry, you 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 go ahead, Casey. Uh, I was just going to ask, what's your take on Patina? Personally, um, I like it. It's great. I mean, um, any vintage guy will tell you that that um, you mean real Patina, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not yeah. fourteener. Yeah, yeah, fourteener. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I mean, but it has to be done tastefully, you know. Like, I, I don't like beat up watches. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. but stuff like I, I you think, know the spider dolls. Yeah, not not too crazy on it. Right, um, but okay. it's all personal preference, right? You yeah, know, it really is. It's what you like, but I mean, the word patina gets used around pretty liberally. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen some destroyed watches that yeah. is like a piece of shit and yeah. the guy's like nice patina <laughs> it's just <laughs> damage like, no, who are you kidding yeah, yeah. it's like this it's watch is told many yeah. there's so many stories related to this watch yeah. poop yourself you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, John, you were saying no so, okay so i guess to narrow down my earlier question mm-hmm. right and well uh and also you're a busy man you have you have stuff to do soon so maybe this would be Sure, sure, no worries. Yeah. Well, you can you can plug whatever uh, watch you ha- have on sale now. But what 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 would be your favorite watch that you have on sale now, both vintage and modern? 
Okay, let me have a think. Um, so most of the good stuff usually flies pretty yeah. fast. But I mean, of the stuff, of the recent stuff, the yeah. I mean, this one is already reserved, but the Santre that I sold recently, okay. um, Katia Santre, mm-hmm. um, is, is uh, probably my favorite. Like I kept that watch for a while because I really loved it. Mm-hmm. It's a CPCP Platinum. They only made 50 pieces. Mm-hmm. Nice. And um, it's like, other than the crash, this is like the holy grail Cartier. Yeah. And so that that's probably my favorite in the in the sort of um, modern section. Mm-hmm. And vintage, um, like I said, I'm listing some vintage watches tomorrow. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm listing a, a red sub, 1680. And okay. this will answer your question of patina very nicely because ghost <laughs> this is like the patina that we like it's like ghosted bezel mm-hmm. pumpkin patina super nice right okay. so yeah mm-hmm. i think like recently you've also got uh i think a daniel roth in <laughs> yeah the, correct the correct. Luke Chopin as well yeah yeah so I'm that's a big that's, fan that's, of uh, Luke mm. yeah those are super super underrated watches um, agreed but but seems to be seems to have interest and um and it's growing um you mentioned daniel roth i am i am the world's biggest advocate for early daniel roth Mm -hmm. (laughs) now the world's biggest hoarder yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) i've been buying daniel roth for like over a year now i just i'm keeping them all man all the early ones at least Mm, for now that's an endorsement Mm -hmm. if you ever needed an endorsement to go and buy a watch well here. Like like Elon Musk said, I pump, but I don't dump. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pumping Daniel Roth, man. <laughs> so, so, basically, so basically, if you're if you're wondering why um, there's a dearth of Daniel Roth in the market, you can blame Sean. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was just going to say that. Yeah, blame some Chinese guy in KL Central. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, Sean, I, I think you have to go in a bit, yeah. so we don't yeah. want to keep you as well. Sure. Um, right right before we go, you know, um, mm-hmm. I think we can find you on ssongwatches.com. Yep, correct. Right? That's my website. Mm-hmm. And uh, at s.song.watches on Instagram. Yep, correct. Right. So you're happy for any one of us to just reach out to you and, you know, Anytime. ask. Yep, yep. No yeah. problem at all. Yeah. It'll be me because okay. I, I reply to everything, so... You're getting the oh. real deal. Nice. <laughs> yeah. You might you might get a couple of people Not asking some, for yeah. for sponsorships as well. <laughs> Just you guys, man. <laughs> uh, be prepared to be inundated with all ten of our listeners. It'll be weird if I it'll be weird if I sponsored my my robbers, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> or you, or you, yeah, I mean, you can prevent a robbery from yeah, my spy sponsoring. That's yeah. a threat. <laughs> Consider it insurance. <laughs> I think this is how the triads operated back in the day. <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, thanks so much, Sean, for taking some time no out and joining yeah, us here today. You know, when when uh, lockdown and all that kind of shit has been lifted, we'd be yeah. We would love to go down to KL. Definitely come and meet up, have, have a, a chat for sure. Yeah. Sounds great. Do a bit of robbing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Just a little bit. Just a tiny bit. <laughs> And I guess Marshall, um, thanks for being here as well. I uh, guess. Yeah. Well, was he even here? 
I don't know. I, I barely know. It this. feels like I'm listening in on an episode instead of actually being on the show. Well, I don't mind. Just a voyeur. Yeah. Not, <laughs> I'm glad to say that I don't have any aneurysms of the sort for this episode. So I'm pretty right before we go, should we talk about hemorrhoids? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye, guys. Let's <laughs> All right. On that note, guys, uh, again, thanks, Sean, for joining. Uh, nice. Thanks for your time. Cool, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. We hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, we'll catch you the next one. And as always, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Casey and John John Show. The Casey and John John Show may cause abdominal discomfort, flatulence, reduced sex drive, and alcohol dependence. The Casey and John John Show is approved by one out of ten doctors. Casey and John John do not take any responsibility for any side effects experienced from listening to their podcast.